I have the privilege of starting a series with you guys, and as you saw the graphic called Priorities, Choosing a Life That Matters. And, you know, I, I personally feel like God has taken me on a journey of what it looks like to fashion a life with intentionality. To actually want to say, you know what? It does matter how I live my life. It does matter the day in, the day out. When you think of priorities, often people think of time management. They think of, you know, um, making one decision after another. I asked a young adult just recently, I said, when I say the word priorities, what comes to mind for you? And they were like, well, you know, getting all the tasks done that's, that needed for the day kind of thing. Can I say I think that that is often how we run into our lives? It's just whatever task that's set before us that we must do. Well, one thing that really hit my heart was one day my sweet sister gave me a bag of clothes. And if anyone knows, for me, that's like Christmas. I'm like, sweet, I get to go through these clothes that a friend of hers, um, you know, that she passed on to me. And so I was sitting on my floor in my closet, pulling items out of this, you know, black trash bag. And as I was doing that, I came across a pair of shoes. And as I was looking at the shoes, all of a sudden it dawned on me that I said, um, my sister said this bag of clothes, now this may freak you all out, but was from someone who was dead. Someone who's no longer here. And I don't know what happened, but as all of a sudden as I pulled those pair of shoes out and I began to look at them, I was like, she's not here anymore. These shoes do her nothing. No worth, no value whatsoever will these shoes bring to her and where she's at, how she lived her life. No matter how full her closet was, no matter if designer, non-designer. And it made me think about what were the things that I am valuing in this life? What are the things that I'm intentionally going after? And so I want to ask you, what are the things that are priority in your life? If I were to ask you, what, what moves you every day when you wake up? What makes you make the decisions that you make, those little tasks day in, day out? What drives you? You know, I would say that if we were going to talk about money, and I was going to ask you, you know, what's the best investment? I think all of us would... No-brainer, right? That which brings the, the biggest return, right, for our, our what we put into it, our investment. But do we, do you, do I, do I live my life in such a way that that is the truth of the matter? Do I invest my priorities in that which has the greatest return? Well, I think this life that God really likens it to like a race. And, you know, we often, if you play a sport, you know, we often want to have a trophy at the end of our lives. We want to say, hey, look at my shelf and look what I've all accomplished, right? But there's, there's, I believe, false trophies that the enemy, that the world sways and moves us to want to run after. And I think one of those like small trophies I know in my own personal life that I got trapped in thinking was something um, to go after, just a small trophy on the shelf, right? But that trophy was beauty. I thought, you know, I got comments. I had people say, um, you know, oh, look at, you know, I moved often. So people would make comments about who's the attractive person in the class. 
So let's look at beauty. What does Proverbs 31:30 say about this trophy? What does it say about that trophy? It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That wasn't my perspective. That trophy I was chasing after, I was like, bring out the lemon juice. I'd read, you know, little magazine articles and, oh, lemon juice will give me those highlights and baby oil will give me that California tan. And, and I was running after this, this false trophy in my life because I thought it would bring something to my life of value. And so what if I lost you men on the beauty thing? You're like, yeah, not for me, but I do spend hours in the gym because, huh, you know, we all want that six pack. And so, in reality, um, let's read what the Bible has to say about exercise, physique. 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical exercise, it has some value, all right? But spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and for the future. My husband and I, we, um, when we were first married, he worked in a nursing home. And one thing that he told me over and over is that, you know, no matter how well you took care of yourself, there's just natural things that happen as we age. And one of those things is the fat starts to leave under your skin, and that's why you get the more wrinkles. And then, if you know, depending on how much you loved the sun as much as I did, you know, the, the aging spots and the moles and those things begin to arise. And so... No matter how much we spend time at the gym, there is an end. And so, you know, I want you guys, as I'm talking, to think about if you invest in your life, what if we stopped and we said, I want to begin with the end in mind? Would that change your perspective in those hours that you spend at the gym? If I just told you about the end of all man, this, this tent that we've been given, would that change the priorities of possibly the pursuit of the physique? But let's go on to bigger trophies, all right? Dun, dun, dun. The bigger trophies we talk about in life. How about money? How about what we have heard is success? Money is power. Money means success. Well, I'll tell you, I love this, this verse from Ecclesiastes 5.10. It says, the one who loves money is never satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. That word vain means empty. It's mean it's like grasping for something. I know my husband and I, we came into contact with someone who had lots of wealth and then at a very sudden lost it. And the question is, who are you after those things are stripped away? You know, I, I was in Dallas at one point in our married life, and, and I was invited to a gathering of, it was probably millionaires. I know they were like doctors in, in high, per, you know, professional um, positions, and they made lots of money, and I kind of was just the observer, and I'm one of those people that unfortunately I can judge a little bit, but I was just kind of sitting back listening and watching, and I marveled at it as they were talking. It was like they were all, like, one-upping each other. It was like, Oh, yeah, I just got my new yacht. And, oh, yeah, I'm driving this car. And, you know, my kid's in, involved in such and such, you know, thing. And, and it was name after name. And 
honestly, it felt like watching, you know, um, you know, peacocks, like how they, you know, fluff their feathers and they fluff around. And, and I realized I was like, they're running after something that it's, it doesn't satisfy. I, I couldn't understand why they were, you know, um, like almost like finding to try and find enjoyment in something that I could almost sense. It was like a physical, tangible. You could sense the, the emptiness of it as they shared and as they talked. And probably because I was one of the people in the room that I felt so very rich because I knew I was like, man, I've got beautiful children. I have health. I have the Lord. And I was, I was being able to like discern of like what has real substance versus that which is, is empty. But what about some of the other things that we're told of that are trophies that we should run hard after? How about, you know, having a title and an education and a certificate that, that shows that you have arrived, right? And you might say, well, what do you mean? Well, I know, sadly, I watch a lot of people go off to college and because they just drink in the philosophy of man, and really even the Bible talks about that there's doctrines of demons, those things are taught in educational places where it almost brings a place, a level of knowledge above the knowledge of God. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 3.18. It says, let no one deceive himself. If any among you think that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. I want you to stop and think about what are the trophies that you're pursuing right now? What are the things that you're driving hard for, you're working hard to have on your shelf? What about wanting people to like us, right? No harm, no foul, right? We've taught like from, you know, young age of like who sits with who at school and what table do you get to have in the cafeteria? And then maybe you move beyond that, but then it's like, how many friends do I have on Facebook? And we look for these things to, to make us feel important, to make us feel like we have worth or value. And so we begin to chase after, I'll say whatever so that they like me. I'll dress however so that they like me. And that can be all different walks and people and those kind of circumstances. But I love the story, Jesus being the master storyteller. He tells this from Luke 14, 14. He says, now he told a parable to those who were invited. And when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And then he invited you. Both will come and say to you, um, give your place to this person. And then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Because the reality is that everyone who tries to exalt himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself first, that person, that will be exalted. So in this pursuit of popularity and, and having friends, have you guys ever experienced a friend churning on you? A rumor being spread about you? Slander? And all of a sudden, how quickly can people turn against us? It's a trophy we don't want to pursue. 
When you think about prioritizing your life, I promise you, you don't want to pursue that. I love that God describes his kingdom, that it's, it's really, it's always the opposite of what we think or told. And it's really the inside outside. It's, it's so beyond what, you know, we're, we're fed as far as the lies of the trophies that we're to pursue. But as we're talking about priorities, then you may be asking, well then, Lydia, what should I choose? What matters in this life? And that's really where I want to start today. Beginning with the end in mind. Thinking about the choices you make today and how it affects your life. God's word from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, So listen, you've all been to a stadium, right? And you've seen the athletes race and everyone runs, but one wins. So run to win. All good athletes train hard, and they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes, and it fades. You see, you're after one that its gold is eternal. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert, and I'm in top condition, and I'm not going to get caught up napping and telling everyone else all about it, then missing out myself. This verse puts the fear of the Lord in me. Because just like those things that I just mentioned, I feel like are those those trophies that are the gold that tarnishes and fades. But when I stop and I take time to reflect and I ask myself, what are the things that I should say yes to? What are the things that I should say no to? And how do I come to that decision? How do, I, how do I make what's the wisest choice in the moment? Well, I think it's important for all of us to identify with that which is important. I think we just heard it right there from that verse. There's a lot of things that we can get caught napping and get caught sloppily doing. And what's scary is it can be considered a good thing, right? Just like that young adult that I asked, when you think of priorities, what do you think that means? They were like, well, you know, just doing the tasks that are before me. Can I say, I would say no. It's actually stopping and reflecting and asking the Lord, what am I meant to pursue? What are the priorities, God, that I should have in my life? So obviously it first starts with God. But the way I determined, I kind of asked myself as I said, what has God put in my heart? What has God put in my head? And what has God put in my hand? And so let me ask you that. What are the desires that you uniquely have? What are the dreams that you have been given? What are the skills that God has given you with your hands to do? And then how do you make that priority? How do you begin to choose a life that matters as a life that's been surrendered to what God wants for you and running hard after it? I know for me as a young girl, it was deep in my heart was just, man, I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good mom. Since a little girl, I would just run up to people who had children. I'd be like, can I hold your kid? And so that was something that God had put in my heart. You know, he put that there. Now, some of you look at me and you say, uh, that's not for me. And that's right. 
That's why sometimes I think when we begin to talk about priorities or you've had people speak to you about what matters most and, you know, you can almost feel caught between, you know, I just watched a friend post on Facebook a feeling like someone made them feel torn between being heavily involved with their children and their sports versus, you know, heavily involved in, um, you know, church. And I don't feel like in our lives that there should be those kind of um, drawing the line. But rather, I would say, what is it that God has called you to? What is it that he's drawn your heart to? And then do it with all your heart. Run hard after him in it. And so for that, that aspect for me, one of the things was I was like, okay, well, God has put my heart to be a wife and to be a mom. So it, it started with me praying and asking the Lord, God, I want to I marry someone that I know I can run hard after you with. And so it, it meant me prioritizing, just not wanting to date every single cute guy that came along. But it began to say, I'm going to prioritize pursuing a man that I know is going to draw me to him. So for some of you young adults, it can be easy to want to, to go after the, the trophy that tarnishes and just say, but I just want somebody, you know? But man, to have eternity with someone, to know that you're running with them with the Lord. And so... You know, I thought that was the pinnacle. Okay, I got my godly husband, but God wasn't done prioritizing things in my life. And can I say God wants us to continue to allow him to bring priority in our hearts and in our minds and in our, our lives? And so one of the most recent things was, is, you know, I've said, okay, Lord, I want to be the best wife I can be. So how do I intentionally walk that out? Well, I'd like to say I do it 100% perfect and great. But I don't. And so it's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me in those times that I'm not running the race as set for me, the course. And so one of those things is Jesus says that I'm to die daily, that I'm to live my life in such a way that people see the image of God in me. They see his nature, his character. And so recently, to my shame, to my chagrin, I had an evening with my husband, and I had um, I either ate an early, because sometimes during our schedule, I must have had an early dinner, and so I was like, I'm going to munch on some popcorn. So I went into the kitchen, did the hard work of, you know, throwing the bag in the microwave, turning it on. Then, of course, to add final touches was to melt some popcorn and make it just perfect. So I go and I sit down next to the couch next to my husband. I got my bowl of my popcorn. And so my husband's like, so you can imagine what began to happen in my heart. What rose up was kind of like the look, you know, like, oh, no, you are not putting your hands in my popcorn, you know. And, um, and you know, he kind of looked at me like, what are you, crazy? There's a big old ball of pop bowl of popcorn. And really for him, he had the right to look at me that because he lives his life with such generosity. He's one of those people that will slave to make, you know, cute little appetizer and be like, here, you want some? That doesn't flow naturally out of me, guys. I'm just confessing, all right? And so, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was convicted in that moment of prioritizing others before myself. But in all reality, I was kind of like, dude, you can go get, make your own popcorn. That's what rose up in my heart. But here's the beautiful thing, that when I make God first, when I go and I spend time with him, so the Lord set me up. A couple days later, I'm at the noon prayer here in the lobby, and Chad Hellenthal's leading his prayer watch. And I don't even can't remember tell you what he was sharing or saying. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit took me back to that moment on the couch. And I began to weep and weep, not because of that one little incident, but it was because I was realizing, I'm like, Lord, 
there's still so much of me running this race, so much of me wanting to have a piece of what I want in this life and not wanting to lay down my life. And dude, if I can't lay down a bowl of popcorn, really? And so I allowed the Lord just to work in me of like, man, God, I see I still have so far to come when it comes to prioritizing others and, and making my life a life that glorifies you. And so even with motherhood, I mean, I want to speak to you moms. You know, what really drove me as a mom was the reality of, you know, um, we always like to think that we have a redo, right? But you have 18 years. You have 18 years. And yes, you have more years after that. But boy, you've got some impressionable years, especially those 0 to 5 and 6 to 12. And so, you know, I remember saying, man, Lord, I, I want to live intentionally. I want to prioritize not my children as an idol or as a God in my life, but as a responsibility, as a stewardship, as something, as someone I'm meant to invest in fully for these years. And so I would watch my life and I'd say, is my day in, day out reflecting this priority in my life? And so there'd be times I'd be on the phone talking with a friend, gabbing it up and having a good old time as a mom, you know, desperate for, you know, human contact, adult conversation. And I'd be watching my kid go, mom, 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 you know, or I'd see the two fighting and I'd be kind of like, I'm just going to kind of not look that direction. I'm talking and having a good old time on my phone, you know. But then I would get convicted and I'd hang up and I'd realize I'm like, I'm not making this, this thing I feel called, this thing that God put in my heart a priority. So I began to rearrange my life. I began to say, friends, I love talking with you, but I'm not going to be picking up my phone from this time to this time. But nap time, quiet time, when they're all down, dude, I'm going to be on the phone. It's just learning to bring that priority, learning to say, what am I intentionally living for? And, you know, it's just practical. It's practical ways that we honor the Lord in our day in, day out, so making the right thing and the priorities. And, you know, the other thing that God put in my heart was, was ministry. And can I say that sometimes we throw that word out? For me, I had in my mind full-time ministry. But can I say I have a different mindset that you guys are all doing the ministry? And what really God had put in my heart was that I wanted to equip you all to do the work of the ministry. That I believe that God intended for some of you to feel a desire and an urge to build things with your hands. And as you do, you're encouraging the men and the women around you, and you're teaching young people, and you're speaking, and you're at the colleges, and you are helping bring priority in people's lives, really. There's so many ways that God and avenues, and when you're putting art on people's walls that makes them think about the Lord's creation, you are doing the work of the ministry. But as I was asking the Lord to give me the opportunity to equip the saints and to do ministry, I remember that one... I needed to partner with someone that wanted to do that with me, and so I had that. But then it was like the Lord asked me, so, so what are you going to give others? How are you going to minister? How are you going to speak into other people's lives? And let me ask you this. If you're meant to build things, do you ask the Lord who you're to build for and how to build and how well to build? If you're speaking into young people's lives, are you smiling? Are you encouraging? Are you asking the Lord, what does he have for them this day? And so I know the Lord asked me that. He's like, well, if you want to minister, really all you can ever give is who you are away. And so I realized, I was like, oh, I was like, well, then I want to have a marriage that reflects real love, real authentic forgiveness, 
That's where the rubber meets the road and priorities, right? And then I said, well, I want to have children that, that say yes to you and live a life for you. And so I began to realize that, you know, I, I'm going to have so much to speak into other moms' lives if I day in, day out prioritize and am intentional in discipling my own children. So I know I'm talking a lot about some of the things he's put in my heart, my hands. And, you know, some of these things I, I like to think of even like self-care, you know, and you're like, what? What does that have to do with anything? Well, I had two parents that end up having diabetes and were shortening their ability to drive and take grandchildren places and to do activities and certain things in their life. And so for me, I knew that I was like, wow, do I even have to prioritize self-care? And like, I liken it really, I like to trade out that word for self-control. Because for me, it really is about self-control. And what do I mean? Well, after I had had my first pregnancy, you know, you're, you know, you always get to use the terminology, I'm, I'm, I'm eating for two, right? I'm eating for two. And so I would just have a good old time, you know, seconds and thirds. And it wasn't until one time after my pregnancy, I was still nursing, but like, it was like I caught myself just, just indulging. And I, I felt like the Lord was convicting me. And he was like saying, you know, you like food a lot. And I was like, right. I do. And I realized, I was like, you know, it really is gluttony. And I remember even sharing it with someone else in my family and they kind of just laughed and they're like, you of all our family members, you don't have to worry about anything. But I knew what was inside my heart. And so I knew I needed to make a priority change of having food be in its proper place. And, and I understand God's given it for enjoyment. I'm the first person to tell you, I still totally enjoy food. But I repented in that moment of any place where I was allowing that to have the wrong priority in my life. And I said, God, I want to take care of myself. I want to, I want to be a good steward of this body. And I want to run long and hard and even be able to, to not only invest in my children, but my children's children. And so it meant changing some choices in my life. You know, I love to share my stories of my everyday in priorities with my children. So, you know, I'll go to some of my favorite shopping places like Sharp Shopper and Ephrata. I moved from there. And so I still will run down there and be like, oh, get my deals. But, you know, I'll come home and I'll, I'll tell my daughter, like my 16 year old will be home and I'll be like, so, boy, it was spiritual warfare at the grocery store today. And she'd be like, how so, mom, you know? And I'll tell her like, man, I had to say, no to the Pop-Tarts. And she'd be like, Mom, you bring up Pop-Tarts a lot whenever you're at the grocery store. It must be a real battle. I'm like, it is. Because, you know, we can have association with things in our lives. And we can sit there and say, oh, this brings pleasure or this I really enjoy. But realizing, like, it has its place. So for me, it's it's vacation time. They're going to be the Pop-Tarts, you know, coming home when we do vacation. But it was learning to begin to say, I've got to have some priorities in my life. And if I just say yes to everything that screams at me in those grocery store shelves, where would I be? And how would I be actually showing the investment of what I, I believe is where I should be investing my life? So I want to ask you, what has God put in your heart? What are the things that he's put on your mind? Those thoughts, those desires. And what are the gifts and the skills and the things that he's given you? And are you running after it? Could you say right now, no sloppy living for me? And so I love the verse because it's a simple sentence that I can come back to. So if you think you walk away today and you say, 
well, what are my priorities? I thought, Lydia, you were going to give me like, you know, prioritize 30 minutes in the morning with the Lord. And then from there you go to exercise and, you know, and I could do that. But, you know, I serve a God who loves to come and, and be Lord. And I believe as you humble yourself and you bring others into your life and ask them, hey, I see, I see you prioritizing the Lord in your life. Can you tell me what are the steps, what are the choices and things that you're doing to do that? I shared a few examples, just a few, because we don't have all morning here. But I know for me that when I take the verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says, all these other things will be added unto you. So really what I discovered in my journey and I'm continuing to discover is I, as I make God the first priority in my life, I find all these other things get in their proper place and they have a place. And so I discovered, you know what? You know, Billy Graham makes the comment that he says, you know, if a barn needs painting, go paint that barn and make it look the best barn it can be, right? So I discovered, what does God say that real beauty can be? What is that thing that I can pursue and make priority in my life? Well, I discovered, he says, it's that a person of a quiet and a gentle spirit. I was like, man, Lord, couldn't it have been easier to pursue this beauty thing? You know, I was like, that one's a tough one for me. But I learned, like, you know, and some of you guys, if you read the verses, you might think, oh, quiet means like this, just this little mouse of a person God wants me to be, and that's beautiful. But I believe that word, like, quiet, it's just like the same word, meekness. It means that it's power under perfect control. And so when I think of a gentle and a quiet spirit, it's one who, when I'm with my friends, I'm not the first to go, hey, guys, this is everything that happened to me today. But I'm with those beautiful friends that God's put around me to remind me what beauty looks like. And they're my friends that when I get together with them, they go, how are you doing? And they look me in the eyes and they talk to me and I go, they are such a beautiful spirit. And then when I think about exercise, I think about, wow, Lord, when I go to the gym today, how can I bring you in this situation with me and make it a beautiful situation where I am not only getting stronger and fit so I don't have back issues and I can pick up my grandchildren and I can do this and that, but it's when I say, okay, Lord, what do you got today for us? We're here, we're at the gym. I made this a priority. But it doesn't rule me, and I know that, man, I can work hours upon hours, but in the end, when I'm 80 laying on a bed, that there's no going back. That what we've, what we've got, we've got, right? And with the time in this life, we've got. And so it's me saying, okay, I see that person back in the corner that could just use a high five, and I saw them, you know, picking up that extra weight and tell them, hey, good job. And then what about money? Money is awesome, y'all. I know I said I told you that it's not satisfying, and it's not. But it's a beautiful tool that God has given us to use. And how do I mean? I know that my husband and I, when we left um, Bible college, you know, we had this mindset of that it's more spiritual to give everything away and have an empty bank account to show that, hey, money has no hold on me. Yet when we moved here, I had a farmhouse that I had, you know, two hours of mowing to do. So I needed to buy a, a rider mower. So who do I go to? My good old godly friend. And I say, hey, can I borrow $400 to buy a mower? And he loaned us the money. And I remember like the Lord used it to say, um, Hello. He's got money, and he just blessed you, and, you know, you wouldn't have a mower if it wasn't for him. And I remember going, oh, I know it sounds silly, but guys, when you have certain mindsets in your mind, it's easy to think like, oh, I don't need that. We absolutely can be those who use money for a beautiful gift to give to others, to use it for empowering. And so it's just meant to not be something that, like those people that I found in that room that were all talking about this thing and that thing. And I could tell that it was like they were trying to say, this is my joy. This is my trophy. Yet I realized that God gives us money to steward and to give generously. 
So does it have the right priority in our lives? That's what we just have to ask ourselves. And so really, um, I like to, I like to share the story of just a test even with, with God wanting to say, seek first, seek me, and all these things will be added unto you. And so really I had this really neat experience where I didn't know the Lord was setting me up, but I needed a car. My husband and I had a, a car that broke down. And so, like any good steward of our money, I said, okay, our car needs fixed. We don't have the finances, so the money we would have given God, we're going to put it in our car and fix it. That's the wise thing to do, right, God? Well, we put our, our giving, our tithing into our vehicle, and it only spiraled downhill from there. So, meanwhile, our good friends had loaned us their vehicle, and I was driving. It was a Honda Civic, tinted windows, sunroof, and I pulled up to a stop sign. I had bought, uh, you know, we had borrowed in the vehicle, and I stopped, stop sign, and I remember just all of a sudden, like, this thing rose in my heart of like, I feel cool. I feel like I have arrived. I'm in a nice car. And it was there for a few minutes, that ugly little thing that what we just said about that we kind of start to think that this trophy is something to be pursued, something to value. And all of a sudden, I just knocked that trophy off the shelf, and I was like, this is just a car to get me to places. And I like kind of shook myself out of that stupid mindset, and I drove on. Well, I didn't know, but I believe that God was saying, Lydia, can I entrust these possessions, these things with you, and can you let it not have your heart? Can you keep it in its right priority in your life? So I didn't know it, but then our friend who was loaning us the car pulled my husband into the office, and he said, hey, I want to sell you my car that you've been borrowing. She was like, oh, we cannot afford your car. You know, only had like 15,000 miles on. And he's like, no, 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 you misunderstand. I want to sell it to you for a dollar so that if any coworkers ask, I can say I sold you the vehicle. And Jimmy's like, I can buy that, you know? And when my husband came home to tell me that story, I remember thinking back in that moment when I was at that stop, when I was at that signal. And I believe that many times in our life, God is just saying, will you simply make me first? I so want to bless you. I so want to enrich you with things and give you things to do much in my kingdom with. Yet when we start to put priorities in its wrong places, when we begin to spend hours upon hours at the gym and doing that thing that he says has a little value, yet we spend no time before him. And we spend no time giving him our worries and our fears and talking to him. And then we think we're going to meet that need in another place. We get dissatisfied. We get disillusioned. So really, I want you guys to think about beginning with the end in mind. What do I mean about that? I want you to stop and reflect. I don't want to be so morbid that I say, think about when you're at your own funeral and people are talking about your life. But you know what? Go there if you need to. Go there when you think about how many hours you'll invest at your job site. Yet when you come home to your little children that want to show you their Lego design, what is in your heart? Is it the priority of the man's accolades at the office? Or is it this precious soul that God has asked you to invest in? And you say, I'm going to give them my all right now. I'm going to make them the priority. You know, Back to the Future was a movie that was pretty popular. And I think because it was very, it was very appealing. The thought that if we make mistakes, rewind, and we just get to do it back all over again, right? The sad truth but the, the real fact and reality is we only have one life to live. And God says, you can choose to be one that says, I want to run hard. I want to run the race. That which a person that says, I'm going after the eternal gold. I'm not going after those little trophies that don't satisfy and they tarnish and they, they fade with time. Go ahead and get to your feet, guys.
Thank you for listening. Thank you for the attentiveness. But you know, this is the takeaways that I'm trying to give you. And you know, someone can give you something, but you have to take it. You have to determine what am I living for and what am I making priority? And it's knowing your purpose. We say that every week that we say, man, it's about discovering your purpose. And it is. And so that's why I say, what does he put in your heart? What does he put in your hand? What does he ask you to do? And then prioritizing, pursuing it. There is no retiring. When you're running a race, you run to the end. You run as one wins the prize. I want you guys just to close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself, am I right now? Am I someone who's getting up every day and just saying, I'm going to live for the task that's before me and the next task and the next task? Or are you saying, I want to prioritize God. And then his promise is, as I prioritize him, that in all these things set before me, I can live a life. I can choose to live that life that matters. But maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're here right now and you are realizing, you know what, I've never, ever really made God the priority in my life. You would never, ever want to run this race that we talked about and where it says you actually miss out on the main event, guys. We're meant to live a life that's eternal. So I want to ask you, if you're in this room and you realize, you know what, Lydia, I have never really made God the first priority in my life. I've really never made Him Lord. I want you to raise your hand and you say, today is that day. Today is that day that I want to make God priority. I don't want to miss out on the main event. I don't want to run and only find that I've got a bunch of empty, vain things that I can point to in my life and say, that's what my life is all about. God wants, he's inviting you right now to be that person that says yes to him. Yes to making God priorities. You can raise your hand and you can say, I'm making you right now, God. I want to live eternally with you forever. And I don't want one day, one moment in my life to not count. I'm making you priority. That's awesome. All right, let's just pray with these people, y'all. Together out loud, we say, God... We make you number one. We make you Lord. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. To pay the ultimate cost for my sin. And I today choose a life that matters. I make you priority. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.